Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, morning, afternoon, evening, however you're listening, however you've found us. Thank you so much. This is Writer's Routine. This week, we're joined by Susie Donkin. Uh, she is a comedy writer and performer, winning so many awards for her work on the fantastic Horrible History series. Uh, and she's got a brand new book out. It's called Zeus is a Dick, which kind of tells you everything you need to know in the title. Fantastically fun retellings of ancient myths in there. Now, we talk about the need to be lean with your content, especially with jokes. Also, what it's like to write a novel after working on comedy and scripts for so long. Uh, and how she felt after being asked to to work on this story, writing someone else's idea. Oh, I, I felt like it was literally like a kind of I couldn't I li- I couldn't believe it. I just it was a kind of dream come true. I just I'd, I mean how am I, amazing that someone asked you to write a book, and it's going to be published. And you know I had to write us we had to write a sort of a sample a sample chapter to sort of see if they liked it. So I, and for ages, I just didn't think it would happen. And then when she said, no, no, it really is happening. I, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So I feel really lucky. There is more on the way with Susie Donkin in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes. See how long I can drag it out. We've been doing a lot of episodes now. Welcome along to Writer's Routine. Hello, my name's Dan Simpson. This is where we take a look inside an author's day to uh, see, well, I guess to hear, uh, how they get the work done and how they get the words down. Uh, so how's it going? Uh, kind of uh, powering through February after a week of, what, pancakes and parties all around the world. I don't want to speak too soon. Uh, here in the UK, um, what do you think? It seems to be like there is some light at the end of the tunnel you know, vaccines and, and the schools reopening, uh, the days getting longer. Whoever thought that? <laughs> Just a bit of light would help us out so much. It feels like we may be heading towards a way out. Um, anyway, look at this. Let's move on, shall we? It was almost social commentary. Back to the books. This week, we're chatting to Susie Donkin. She's been a writer for Horrible Histories since it started on telly uh, way back in 2009 now. If you're not aware of Horrible Histories, it is fantastic. I urge you to look it up on YouTube as soon as you finish this. Uh, it's made for kids. It's on CBBC. Uh, but the layers of adult gags in there are unreal. It's a brilliant show. 
and it won so many awards, including BAFTAs as well. She's worked on radio, she's worked on other telly shows like Smack the Pony. She's an artistic director of a theatre company, and she's got a book out. It's called Zeus is a Dick, retelling ancient myths in a style kind of like horrible histories and drunk comedy and, and mythos. Uh, the Stephen Fry book that's done very well. It takes all of that and it sticks quite an edgy slant on it. Now, we talk about how she worked on this through lockdown with her daughter, about the rules that she was taught working in radio comedy and the brutal producer that made sure things were moving along. Uh, Also, we speak about pace and how you blend pace and plot and and jokes when you're writing this style of story, or, or well, stories really. And you can hear about what it's like to work with someone else's idea on commission where you are told the title the chapters and the style i mean what's that like for a creative now uh, before we get into it a little warning there is a, a teeny bit of swearing in this one i mean the name of the book zeus is a dick kind of gives that away so just be wary if you are listening with kids or, or something like that um it's, it's a good rambly natter this one i think you'll really enjoy it we get into it with susie donkin and her brand new book zeus is a dick by talking about what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't sit down in one place to write. I write wherever I can. So so at the moment, I'm sitting at a desk which I have written at, which is basically covered with uh, my middle daughter's sort of GCSE revision. Uh, There's a cup of coffee next to me. Uh, I've got a kind of white fluffy dog which is sitting next to me. And... What else? That's about and I yeah, and there's a yellow wall, there's a curtain. Uh is that that's pretty much it. It's not very um zen. Well, if you're writing all over the place, how much are you starting to think about finding one consistent place to to call your writing space without getting too pretentious about it? Uh I am considered, there is one place, which is this kind of, above the garage, there is this little kind of um, annex, which we rent out to do Airbnb. And I sneak, when it's not rented out like now, then I will sneak in there. And that is really amazing because it is just, you just on your own, there's nothing in there. So that's my favorite place to write, but I only get to go there if there's no one in there, if that makes sense. Do you find when you're writing in different spaces, maybe you need something consistent in all of these just to help tie you to the work that you're doing to help you kind of get in the zone Mm, no (laughs) I guess then it leads to how much how able are you to sit down and just crack on with it I'm pretty good at that I would say that's the thing is that I I work best to a deadline so if I'm so if I know that I've got to deliver it quickly or it's a sketch that's got to be in the next day or you know then I then kind of everything else disappears and then you so basically it's adrenaline and then I can write anywhere and that's the best for me focusing thing when you're up in the Airbnb space do you find like how do you work differently when you are up there when you've got this this space is completely yours and the time is almost at your leisure because you're locked away away from everyone up in the annex do you find that you work differently at all yeah, I would say I was more efficient and probably better writer. It's probably more better writing, probably. Because <laughs> you go, yeah, I think you do, to sound a bit wanky, you can go into a sort of, it's a bit, um, you you kind of, um, yeah, you go into the f- flow, whatever it's called. You, everything else sort of stops and you just, and you write it really fast. 
that's what I find. And I can hear, and I was like, I really love to, um, the best way for me to work out if it's working is to read it out loud. So I sound like an idiot if I'm at home reading out loud and everyone's listening going, oh, mum. But if I'm in this space, I can really just read it out loud and I can hear what it sounds like. And then I know if it's working or not. Uh, in my opinion. That comes from comedy, I would imagine. Yeah, comedy. And uh, so, yes, exactly. And because lots of it is um, dialogue, the only way I think that you can really find out if it really works is to say it out loud. Well, let me touch on that aspect of it. I spoke to uh, Mark Watson, the comedian, the other day. He's just got a new book out. Mm. And I asked him the, the question, and I'll ask you, is what did writing comedy, writing jokes, what has that taught you about writing something more novelistic like this uh to get to the point to make it really it has to be really kind of lean and for me because it's mainly I do lots of character comedy is just it's all in the character for me the comedy uh and surprising and incongruity so just working out oh what would be what would be funny well if I stuck you know I don't know if I stuck a a really rich old lady in a kind of teenage uh, on tiktok or i don't know whatever that kind of con trying that kind of stuff so so it gives you real freedom to find out to, to kind of stretch your imagination because you're trying to imagine the most incongruous situations of to often get the joke if that makes sense it's interesting you say that because leanness is exactly what he said if i speak to any comedian to be frank about this kind of thing uh, or any kind of content creator uh, I know, I know, I know, right? Um, they they would always say something like, get to the point. It's, how do you learn that? How do you, do you remember the moment, the moment where the, that, 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 you know, the switch flicked in your mind where you realised, hang on, this is the secret to getting something off well, is get, is cutting out the fat and getting to it quickly? Well, when, because I used to do a, a right radio sketch comedy and we did a, a programme called Bearded Ladies, which went out on Radio 4. And there was a producer, Carol Smith, who was very old school and had done lots of sketch comedy. And we'd write the sketches. So we'd write them, we'd each write, there's four of us, four women. We'd write our sketches, then we'd send them to everyone else, they'd read them and kind of go, yeah, like that, don't like that. Uh, and we'd read them out loud. And then the final selection would be sent to Carol and then she'd go through them. And then when we recorded them, we were always recorded them live, she'd basically just do a tick when when people laughed. And if people did, if the, so every sketch had to have, I think it was something like five ticks, five proper laughs, otherwise it was out. So basically you're always right, you can't have any anything without without a proper laugh. It, it just won't make the cut. So that's, you're always looking for for the joke all the time. Otherwise people just, they just get bored or they don't, you know, they've, they've come to listen to comedy or read comedy. So they really want to laugh. Leading on from that, this, this is more f philosophically, I guess, in the art of, of script writing, I guess, um, rather than specifically about your day. But you mentioned TikTok earlier on. And I've, I've noticed, you know, I do long, longish form podcasts. And let me tell you, there are a lot of podcasts that are too long in the world. Um, but also TikTok, you know, you get 15, 30 seconds. How do you find, do you think that people are, younger people are discovering this need, this need to be lean on their own? I think they probably are. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't get, to, I, the kids do TikTok and they show me stuff. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I know we're not supposed to, I'm too old. But for me, it's just like, oh my God, there's no, 
there's no doesn't doesn't feel like a satisfying format to me but to them they absolutely love it so yeah maybe they're honing their own way of communicating and actually interestingly this book well not interestingly but anyway this book I wrote with my daughter who's 18 so obviously uses TikTok all the time and she so the two so there's a kind of merging of styles Um, so I wonder whether that I don't know if that comes across in the book or or how that but anyway it's interesting to write with someone who is from that generation uh, and see how she writes and how I write and then combine it. Throwing that in the future then I mean you you write for horrible you have a write for horrible histories and so you're kind of <clears throat> on board with making stuff for younger people do you how much do you think being on tiktok will affect the comedy that young comedians might write in in the future well i guess it's all just points of reference maybe and it's still it's still the stuff that makes them laugh is stuff like people falling over or you know someone doing as farts and all the stuff that's always been funny is still funny it's just in a different format and actually, I don't, you know, Horrible Histories, we never wrote for younger. We just wrote for what we thought was funny for ourselves. We never said, okay, let's write for children. I mean, obviously, we couldn't say fuck off, but we could definitely, we never dumb down. I think that's really important. Well, I get up at, um, I'd love to say at like six, but I don't. I get up at about 7.30. Uh, so like today, the kids... Uh, everyone has breakfast, the kids go off to school and then I listen to Chris Evans on the breakfast show <laughs> and then I drink two cups of instant coffee and then by n- about 9.15 I should be sitting at my desk um, and then I start to basically look at social media and Twitter and Instagram and whatever it is and then at 9.30 I start kind of writing whatever I I just, yeah, I just I then I just start working. So you start at nine thirty. Then what happens? You've had two cups of instant coffee. Do you find yourself? And you said earlier on that you are good at just sitting down and cracking on. Are you, are you good at that point of just getting going like a steamroller? Yeah, nine thirty. I'm really on fire. Basically, whew, I've had two coffee. It's the morning, so that is my most productive time. And then I'll just churn out a load of probably rubbish but it's kind of coming out and then probably by about eleven fifteen, I'm absolutely exhausted and drained and then I'll have like half a packet of biscuits and go outside and that's pretty much my most productive and that's pretty much it for the day then I read it through again and go and that's when I kind of go okay that was good that wasn't good that was all right and and so try and edit it a bit uh and then yeah, and then, well, like I say, and then kind of that's, and then by kind of five, that's sort of, this is just a normal day, that'll be finished, because uh, the kids are home, because I'm writing around them. But if I've got a deadline, which, as I said, is much the best way to work, then I will just, then I will, after supper, kind of go and work for three hours in somewhere, in a quiet room, or, you know, I mean, that's when I'm most efficient. And then I'll just, yeah, just, just churn out the words basically that's and then once you've got the words out then you can kind of edit into some edit it into some sort of something good but I generally I find that if it comes quite easily whoops that's normally the best stuff how hard is it for you in the evening when you are up against a deadline and you've had your your huge flurry in the morning that that caffeine driven uh craze of writing and creativity then when you know you've got to get it done in the evening Mm. how easy is that for you to do it then uh 
it's fine as long as I haven't had a glass of wine or a beer or anything like that. And then it's just, uh, then I think it's just adrenaline because you have to do it. And yeah, so it's fine. Actually, I really enjoy it. When God, it, it's so satisfying when it comes out. It's really, and you go, and also, you know, you're going, oh, I've done, I've done 10,000 and, you know, turning out words. It's really, it's, it's much more satisfying than lots of things because you can actually, you're producing something. Do you know what I mean? I do. On a non-deadline day, you mentioned 10,000 words there. Mm. Uh, have you got an aim of what you would like to get? So when you were in the middle of writing Zeus is a Dick, did you have a, an idea of what you wanted to get done that day? I tried to do a thousand a day of, of stuff that I would keep kind of thing. Because basically, the um, I had to write 50,000 words. I kind of broke it down mathematically. I had to write 50,000 words. Each chapter was... Um, there's 20 chapters into 50. Now I can't remember. God, it's not that long ago. I can't remember. Anyways, I said, well, I, I can't remember how many. Anyway, I worked it out. I need to write X amounts of words a day in order to kind of write 50,000 words in, I think I had 12 weeks to write the book. So I just divided it all up. And if one day I didn't write X amount of words, I'd have to write double the amount of words the next day. As she went along and she got closer to, to getting towards your 50,000 words, so as you'd been writing for eight, nine weeks, how good at you were uh, how good were you at understanding quicker what words you were more likely to keep well, were you better at uh, maybe not overwriting so much yeah yeah it got so much it got so much easier and so much better because you then you kind of the style kind of emerged as I was writing and yeah, it definitely, and it felt like when you when I started because I'd never written a book before. I'd always written sketches, which are you know are so different from writing a whole book. So it was like fifty thousand words. I've never written that much in my whole life. It was very daunting, which is why I broke it down. But then when you've written forty thousand, or you know, it's like wow. It's or when you basically when I hit halfway, so when I was twenty five thousand, was so was so brilliant because then I knew okay maybe I'm going to be able to do it rather than going oh my god. I'll never do that. You mentioned how writing sketches is different from writing this, your your debut book. Now, th- this may be quite a naive and, and obvious question to ask you, but how did you find yourself adjusting to writing more long-form books rather than writing a, a sketch for the telly or for radio? Uh, well, I think I probably a lot of the telly and radio stuff informed how I wrote the book, which is why maybe if you read the book, it, it does, it kind of, it's very, there's a lot of, as I said, dialogue. So I kind of merge them. And because they're short, they're stories, you can break them up into, there kind of doesn't feel like one massive narrative. They're, they're, they're 20 short stories, which again is easier, I found. Uh, and... And characters, once you know the characters, again with writing with com- with sketch comedy, if you know the voice of the character, then the then the sketch is so much easier to write. So once I knew the characters, then also that was much easier. It it, it did get easier and easier the more I the more I wrote it. Now the book is Zeus is a Dick. You, you've touched on what it is. Uh, talk to us about the very first moment that the idea for 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 retelling m- mythology came into your head. Well. It, it didn't really come into my head because actually I was approached by B. Fitzgerald, who's this amazing editor and works at Hodder. And I think 
I don't. I, I should find out. How, I think she'd come across me from Horrible History, so she knew I was a writer. And she was the one who said, hey, how do you fancy writing a book? So it was commissioned. So basically, you know, she said, this is the idea. Here's the chapter breakdowns. I knew nothing about Greek myths. So it, it was, I'd love to say I had this amazing, brilliant, genius idea, but it's all B. So, um, and then I was like, oh, wow, okay. So it was, so it was a commission. What's that like then? If, 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 you're, if you're given this, if you're given everything, if you, so you say that she gave you the chapter breakdowns, what stories she would like you to retell as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah the title, everything. And, and, and then she said, and I and, and would like it in the style, I'd like it in the style of sort of um, horrible histories meets drunk history meets mythos. So basically, obviously, I, I've written for Horrible Histories. I love drunk histories. So I watch loads more drunk history, which is those videos when they get drunk and retell stories in history. Do you know drunk history? I, I do, yes. And you've explained yeah. it brilliantly. <laughs> People get pissed. They talk about history. Exactly. Yeah. So it becomes very chatty and sort of slightly kind of, well, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So it's very conversational. And then Mythos, weirdly, because my son loves myths, had we'd all, listen, we'd all listen to on Audible. So I knew Mythos. And actually... I enjoy mythos, but I found it so confusing, all the names and the kind of the Greek. I was like, oh, my God, I, I couldn't really get to grips with it. So for me, it was a perfect thing because I was like, okay, I'm going to write this kind of book. And this time it's not going to be – no one's going to get confused by all the names and the Greek stuff. It's going to be just the st- just what I would have wanted mythos to be. How was, did that make you feel as a and, – and not in like a – in a sad, depressive way. But how did it make you feel when you are, as as a creative, when you're given this golden treasured box of an idea that, hey, go and do this. This is what we want you to do. Oh, I, I felt like it was literally like a kind of, I couldn't, I li- I couldn't believe it. I just, it was a kind of dream come true. I just, I'd, I mean, how am I, amazing that someone asked you to write a book and it's going to be published. And, you know, I had to write this, we had to write a sort of a, sam- a sample chapter to sort of see, if they liked it. So I, and for ages, I just didn't think it would happen. And then when she said, no, no, it really is happening. I, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So I feel really lucky. So when you're given this idea, then when you know exactly what it needs to be, what do you do day one? You, you, you just mentioned that you knew what you didn't want it. Well, you knew that you didn't want it to be as thorough for want of a bit of a different word and confusing as, and myth as mythos. Um, so you know what you've got to do, you know what you don't want it to be. What do you do day one? when you're given this idea day one i just rewatch a lot of drunk history um and day two and day three and day four so that it really that kind of style uh got in my head and then and then i just and then i did some i did lots of just kind of watching other people's takes on greek myths to kind of get an idea of what um what was out there and and to learn about the stories I didn't know half the stories so B had done a breakdown and I was like oh okay so there's cartoons and there's films or there's people talking seriously about it people talking comedy about it so I just tried to do as much kind of looking at other stuff as possible for the first few days and then and then I sort of just ignored it all and just wrote what I thought would be a fun kind of my version and then my daughter wrote her version uh, and then and then we'd read both, and then I'd read both the versions, and then and then merge them together. You mentioned that you had quite thoroughly planned the word count. You needed to get this done in twelve weeks to make sure it was out. And um, and you're given the short stories that B wants you to retell. How thoroughly did you plan 
each of those? Did you know exactly what beats, what was going to happen at what point when? Uh, no, not really. So, but because each, each one was 2000, oh, was it 3000? I can't remember. God, uh, no, I would write those and just see what happened. Um, yeah. Uh, what about say that say then and then if so then it gives you the freedom of something happened that you didn't think was going to happen could happen it was allowed to sort of thing but you, you, but you, you I guess you kind of know what's going to happen because you know these stories yes exactly but I mean things like so if you're writing about Kira and and actually here decides to go to the hairdressers and something happens to the hairdressers it kind of you can write that and then maybe later you're going to cut it out but kind of I allowed myself to go to sort of diverge a bit and then when I and Coco especially my daughter did loads of kind of just you know whatever blah 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 but she'd write about 10,000 words of stuff so so then you've got lots of then you've got loads of stuff to kind of cherry pick and hone down so the, in a way, the more the more is the more I have, the the better the quality of the of the story is. Sometimes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're back with more from Susie in just a sec on Writer's Routine. Uh, very quickly, I just want to remind you that if you if you listen quite a lot and if you enjoy the show and if you love the tips, you love the advice from some of the greatest writers around that you get pretty much every week, then there are many ways that you can help us out. Uh, you can give us a follow on Twitter. We are at WritersPod on there. Probably not as busy on there as I should be, but, you know, numbers always help. At Writer's Pod on Twitter, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, however you're listening, just click the subscribe button. That would really be fantastic. You can get in contact. Let me know about what. Let me know what you think about the episodes and the authors. Let me know if you agree with some of their tips. If you found any particularly better than others, uh, use the contact form on the website. Sorry, I've just got a new kitten and she's absolutely going crazy, legging it all over the place. Um, at Writer's uh, Writer's Routine, she's distracted me. Uh, get in contact with the show. Writer's Routine dot com for that use the contact page 
And you can also help us out on Patreon. If you'd like to send a dollar or so a month our way, you can do that. Patreon.com forward slash writers routine. You get merch, you get our thanks. There is even a way for your show to sponsor. There is even a way for your book to sponsor this show. Uh, It would really mean a lot. Just anything that you can spare tiny amount a month it goes an extraordinarily long way i really appreciate anything that you can do at patreon.com forward slash writers routine that was a little bit rambly from me uh basically you can help out the show if you fancy it there's loads of different ways to do it uh right let's get back to it then with susie donkin comedy writer talking about her brand new book zeus is a dick in this half we chat more about uh the book and and writing it and working on for a commission working on someone else's idea you can also hear what she's learned about writing books and and how it's different to writing screenplays and and comedy scripts and we pick things up talking about how much she thought through the pace and the tone Uh, quite a lot because that because it it needed to be funny that was the other thing uh so so when you read it again if if it's sort of boring or there's no there's nothing to raise a smile, then it's not really doing what, what it was asked to do, I don't think. Um, but so it means it's very, it is, it's very fast paced, I would say. And um, as a result, but which I like, but not everyone likes, I suppose. Coco's like, what, mum, it's so, um, she would like more kind of stuff around it. I'm, I'm trying to wonder about the art of joke writing. Uh, do you think it's something that is that you can learn? Yes. How? How? Sorry. How would you? I'm, I'm getting off topic here, just because I've never, I've never really spoken to a sketch writer who has done this kind of stuff. Um, how would you? How, how would you? T- again, this is this is quite. A, don't take this in because this could be like you know twelve weeks of seminars. But um, how would you go about? kind of explaining what it means to write a joke might be too much Uh, how to write a joke is basically where a joke should sort of it's either where you surprise yourself with something that you'll go oh it's like it's it's an unexpected something unexpected that makes you sort of smile people like Donald like so something that you recognize you just go oh my god I've so been there so there are different types of jokes and so when you hit on something which you go, God, everyone's done that and, you, and you've got an excuse to write it in your book is, is brilliant. People will love that. The comedy recognition, they love that, I say. I hope they love that. And then also then there's just kind of terrible things, not terrible, but things like, you know, puns, which are sort of clever jokes. I love all kinds of anything. I'll do, I'm such a comedy whore. I'll do anything to make anybody laugh or smile if I can. And it is quite... Uh, the more you, it's like anything, the more you practice, the more you do it, the more, the easier it becomes. Um, and the only thing I would say is, it, is that kind of thing that everyone can do, like everyone can play the piano if you do enough practice, but there is sort of rhythm, a kind of innate rhythm, which if you've got, if it comes naturally is obviously easier to write jokes. But again, I think you can learn that rhythm and it's a kind of, yeah. So I think, uh, have I have I sort of explained? Yeah, you have, you have, you have. It's just it, it's a really, you know, it was kind of mean. It's a really hard thing to to try and define. Like it's 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 not tangible, I don't think. So when when you when you know what you want, but when you're writing this thing that you've been commissioned to write, um, 
was it easy for, i guess was it easy for you making it making it funny like putting the and obviously you were chosen to write it because you have form of writing jokes about history was it was it easy for you to, to 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 write and make this funny it was surprisingly easy actually because the characters are so ridiculous and so kind of I mean, they're just that they kind of it is. They're they're so over. They're they're what you would do if you're going to write a comedy character. You know, Trump is a comedy character. He's totally larger than life. He's got no self awareness. He's a complete idiot. And basically, so is you know, Zeus is also total idiot. Here, they're all idiots. So actually, it's really easy to write comedy because they all take themselves really seriously. They're all complete egotists. They're all doing ridiculous things. They're all, you know, they've all sexually depraved and they're all so it's so easy to laugh at them so actually the comedy was was there already in a way I mean not in a way it was there and so it was quite easy to mine and of course they would you know they were told as as stories as I'm sure they would have been people would have laughed when they were told originally I'm, I'm sure of it how much of an appreciation did it give you for storytelling as an art you know reading and learning about these these old myths that had been told from from ancient greek times um how much did it make you think about just the art of storytelling of what these were doing the messages that these were trying to impart well i i just think it i i have total new respect for anyone who's written a book oh my god because i it is really hard and it is really it does take over your whole head so i i didn't realize quite how that how kind of absor- absorbing it is all absorbing um so that i because with a sketch or a comedy you just write it and it's done but this is kind of because it's so much bigger it's sort of much more much more um all-encompassing okay so this is what i've learned one probably best to write in a really in a in a space that isn't full of all my the, the Detroitus of my life, so it's something which is kind of empty, so that I'm just focusing on what I'm writing. To I think it is really useful to go. Okay, I need to write X amount of words in order to set to have a deadline, and a sort of and a kind of timetable to know. Okay, that I can tick and go. Okay, I've done that much, done that much to give it sort of structure. And three to the kind of know that not to organise any fun social engagements or to go and see people because basically it becomes all I could talk about or think about for ages was the book so you become pretty boring because basically all you want to talk about is you know this this what I did become a bit obsessed with talking about this the book and the story now I know that the book is filled with as as we've said these 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 retellings of different myths um but just as a little throw just as a little tease for us um why is Zeus a dick oh why is he a dick because basically you just he wants to shag he he thinks he can shag anybody and everybody he's 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 got so much power he is he's so like all the people that are in power at the moment he just thinks he can do whatever he likes he and he does do whatever he likes and gets away with it he doesn't care he doesn't give a monkeys about anybody apart from himself <laughs> you mentioned right at the start that character's your thing that you you that's why you do it you like getting involved in these characters um you were already given these characters, you know. You 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 know that Zeus is is a bit of an ass, um, and you know about all these different characters. How did you go about getting yourself in in that person's voice when you were when you were quickly switching between each or twenty different characters? Uh, well, I would I do I had them in in my head. I did 
haven't I kind of imagined what they were like. So Zeus, you know, he was a bit of a kind of Boris Trump kind of hybrid. And uh, here it was, you know, she's very uptight, uptight kind of some desperate housewife kind of, you know, woman on basically kind of on the verge of, of sort of a breakdown at all times. And so I had, I had little kind of key things or, or um, what's his face? Uh, oh, who's the, oh my God. I, he's, um, oh my God, people will kill me that I can't remember all these people. Who is the one? Coco, who's the one who's the, who's the, no. Oh yeah. Apollo is so brilliantly camp and kind of over the top and kind of, he's an Artemis is so like, poof, she's hardcore. And I mean, the characters are brilliant. Who? Hades. Hades. Oh, yeah, Hades is really misunderstood and he's just really, like, gloomy, but not really, but it's a bit Eeyore-ish. So there's little, each one has, who's the one who makes, who's that, who makes the jewels, Cokes? Huh? Who's the one who makes all the jewels, who's the forges, who's here is Hephaestus, and Hephaestus is like this just sort of meathead, but basically he's sort of also, no, Hercules, anyway. So they've all got very, um... Very distinct, very different characters that you can just, but kind of t- almost, they're quite broad. They're not finely detailed, <laughs> kind of um, nuanced characters. They're larger than life. Comedy. So it's easier for you to to kind of dive into these characters for a few thousand words when they are quite pantomime They're quite pantomime exactly, yeah. And everyone knows someone who's a bit, you know, you can, in your head, you can remind, I know, a, I'm kind of, you know, a version of each of these characters. I think everyone does. They're kind of, yeah. By the way, Coco's on it. She knows instantly. She knows. She knows these things instantly. Yeah, she knows, she's the she basically she grew up on Percy Jackson. She's a total Percy Jackson head. So she knew much more than I did about anything. So and also my son, also who actually listened to Mythos like three times because he absolutely adored it. Uh, any anything about Greek myths, I'd ask them and they would be they're all over it. And it's me, the idiot, going kind of. Also, slightly can't remember, can't, can't. Yeah, I don't know. I've, you know, men. Are- You're the one that's getting paid to write the book. Exactly, and puzzle <laughs> and can't remember anything. Is the, so that without them, it would, it wouldn't exist. It really wouldn't. So thank goodness for them. Is all I can say. Well, listen. Lastly, has it given you the bug? You're getting your first book down. You, do you want to move on to your second? I yeah, I would love to write to, to the second. I mean, what I what I di- what I didn't realize was because you're busy writing by yourself and you're writing these words and going woohoo, I've done a chapter and being really satisfied. And there is a really it's so satisfying to to do it and then finish it and go look, I've written fifty thousand words and look, this is the proof and all that. And you and B who's been amazing all the way through and get her notes and and it feels like a really lovely cozy kind of world. And then suddenly you go. Which I've kind of forgotten about, but I'm sure everyone talks about. It's suddenly you just go, "Whoa!" Now other people are going to read it, and suddenly that is really scary because you're kind of in this bubble where everyone's going, "Oh, this is great!" or "Woo!" and laughing and thinking it's hilarious, and then you have to let it go, and then and, I, and that just making me feel a bit sick, if I'm honest. <laughs> that is it for this week's writer's routine thank you so much to Susie Donkin for coming on the show Uh, you can get a copy of the brilliant book Zeus is a Dick using the link in the podcast notes and over at writersroutine.com and I implore you to lose yourself in a horrible histories slash drunk comedy uh, YouTube wormhole like I did shortly before our chat Uh, now next week we're chatting to a writer in the Bahamas 
Uh, that's in the can. Sherry Jones, she is probably the busiest human being alive. Uh, you can hear why. She'll talk to us about her brand new debut, uh, How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House. That's next week. It's a fantastic novel, and she'll talk us through how she wrote it. Uh, on Writer's Routine, next Friday, I will see you then. Bye. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 